It is uh, Thursday. We've come our to Thanksgiving the Day special, 23 November in the year of our Lord, 2023. Larry Swikert, uh, the co-author of the Patriots History of the United States, he's at work now on many, many more endeavors. At the appropriate time, we'll, we'll bring this forward in the next couple of weeks. Some very exciting things that Larry's working on. Of course, a great writer and great researcher. So, Larry, let's go back to the first Thanksgiving. Hey, correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, Brother Schweikert. The, the New York Times tells me the nation was actually founded in 1619, right? And we're a racist <laughs> nation. We're uh, we're an irredeemable nation. Is is the New York Times correct in that, that the nation actually started in 1619, sir? Well, even if you wanted to argue that Jamestown was, which it was, was historically the first English settlement in America in 1607, uh, which they were, uh, the New York Times wants to uh, vamp on that and say that because they were the first that what happened in 1619, which was the arrival of, of slaves from um, the West Indies, that therefore the United States was founded in original sin and slavery and that there is no exceptionalism because it's all tainted by slavery. And uh, my argument is that no, uh, Jamestown did not have two of the four pillars of American exceptionalism. Uh, they weren't a mostly Protestant colony. They were an Anglican colony. Uh, and the Anglicans were not truly Protestants. They weren't protesting against anything except Henry VIII's right to have a hottie. Uh, he wanted to have Anne Boleyn instead of uh, his wife, Catherine. And he asked the Pope for a divorce. And the Pope says, no, I'm not going to give you one. He said, well, I'll create my own church, call it the Church of England or the Anglican Church, and give myself a divorce. And uh, the other thing that that colony did not have, uh, legalistically speaking, was common law, because it arrived with a preset governor chosen for them back in England uh, by the colonial board, but the board was heavily governed by the crown. Uh, at Plymouth, they arrive without a preset governor, and they elect their governor on board the Mayflower before they leave the ship. But, but, uh, but, so that was but common hang on, law. Hang on, hang on, ho, 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 ho. But isn't the 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 colony in the common the colony in uh, Plymouth? It's a religious community of dissenters. Yes, they had the Mayflower Compact and had to work out how they govern themselves. But they were not entrepreneurs. They didn't really care about the commercial aspects of things. Correct. They had been already kicked out of England and, quite frankly, kicked out of Holland, right? These Correct. guys are so hardcore that that so hardcore they're not really welcomed anywhere. They're going to go to a vast wilderness probably to die of starvation in the first year. The Jamestown situation is quite different. Jamestown is essentially entrepreneurs, and those entrepreneurs are not there. They're, they're not thinking we're going to be growing crops. and They're essentially many of the uh, – because the – the Pilgrims are really descendants of the Puritans or Cromwell. The 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 uh, Virginia or the Cavaliers. They're looking for a quick buck. Uh, they were right. there for the search for gold, essentially, or El Dorado or the Fountain of Youth. All these myths that it had, and sometimes not myths, because the Spanish were an incredible amp empire off the silver from uh, the mines of South America and the Incas. So they're two different. I mean, one comes as a religious colony, right? 
I think True. as a Catholic, we would have a tough time buying your buying your argument that the Anglican Church is not Protestant. But I'll let you go. But the the Commonwealth, the Plymouth, Plymouth is clearly a religious experience. And for yes. them, everything commercial always had a taint on it. Right. In fact, they had to come up with the Mayfire Compact because they got there and they said, hey, we have to have some rules here other than just religious rules, some basically rules for men so we can govern ourselves. The, the Jamestown were freebooters. That's the reason they almost starved, right? These guys had no intention, particularly the second and third sons, because if you were going to get the land in England, you certainly weren't going to get on a small boat and go to like going off the uh, most people thought the earth was flat. You're still going to you know, go off a flat earth. You're right. in, you're in Virginia for one reason. There's got to be gold. There's got to be some of that Inca silver. Or maybe I find the fountain of youth. I'm filthy rich. And I go back to England and live like a lord. Larry Swiker, yeah. compare and contrast the two experiences. Well, let's remember that the pilgrims came over with half their number were not pilgrims. They were strangers. They were part of that freebooter group. Now, it, it's safe to say that most of them were not the best farmers, but they did know how to farm. They just didn't know all the ins and outs of New England American farming, and that's where Squanto came in, and he helped them determine some uh, better seeds to use. They weren't using all the best seeds. You're right. The guys in Virginia were these gold seekers. But here's where I want to kind of diverge into uh, something your viewers might find interesting, which is uh, the latest research um, on the Indians in, in North America uh, comes from a guy named Pekka Hamelainen a uh, Finnish professor, and he has a, a fairly new book out called Indigenous Continent, and it's been very well reviewed by liberals, of course. And, and his take on things is kind of a repackaging of what was an establishment view generally called the middle ground, which was that the Indians saw whites not as a particular threat or a specific threat, but rather just another tribe to be dealt with, to make allies with, to conquer if you could. And so what we saw in New England was that uh, some of the tribes there had been weakened by continual war, including the Patoxins and uh, the Wampanoags uh, remained. And so these Indians saw these whites as potential allies, and it didn't hurt. Oh, 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 hold on, hang on, hang on a second, hang on a second. I want to make sure, because I've always argued this for the audience. The Indians are not so, they, they have a very sophisticated uh, way of alliances. I mean, these are wars, like if you read uh, Thucydides, the Peloponnesian War, the Spartans yeah. and the Athenians. It's always certain coalitions coming together. Those coalitions last for a while. Sometimes members of the coalition are either bought off or so badly beaten, they just kind of surrender. The, co the North American Indians was the same way. And particularly when the pilgrims arrived, this was after years and years of war warfare. They And they had very sophisticated alliances and treaty systems that were in place. And the Indians were constantly at war with each other. There were yes. obviously some peaceful Indians, but, you know, it, it's a it's a it's a tough continent. And, you know, it's survival of the fittest. They're not sitting there thinking, hey, if you're nice, if this is among the indigenous people themselves, it was constant war, constant conquest. Right. And, and when the whites showed up, 
some of the tribes thought, or hey, these guys could be partners. Others saw them as as that, but there was a sophisticated alliance system and an ongoing series of wars and conflicts that the whites showed up in the middle of. And by the way, these whites, the pilgrims are supposed to be the most peaceful people on earth. They're one step maybe above or below the Quakers, but they're (laughs) Puritans and pilgrims for a reason that they want to detach themselves to the fallen nature of the coarseness of men and particularly uh, the coarseness of people in England. Yeah, and that all everything you said there is true, and in fact, some of the sophistication involved the way they would negotiate, which uh, I think this new book accurately depicts, is that the whites never really did understand the Indian way of negotiation, which was to to show all this honor and and fealty and we respect your heritage, particularly in the form of wampum belts, which uh, weren't well understood by whites. Instead, whites brought trinkets to, we call them trinkets, but they were very valuable to the Indians, uh, metal, metal knives, uh, metal pots and pans that they did not have, um, guns, obviously. But our our peaceful pilgrims, after not too long, um, they and the Massachusetts Bay Colony engage in uh, the Pequot War, where they they basically have to try to wipe out the Pequots because they deem them as as too violent and and, uh, too much of a, a constant threat. But let me get back to your Virginia people. You talked about these gold seekers. Um, another thing this guy makes clear in his book, and again, I don't agree with everything he says, but I think he has some interesting insights, was that the Indians understood that the the Europeans were after gold, and they used these stories, to, he claims. They, they were constantly telling them stories. Oh, yeah, there's gold just over that hill over there. Just, just go over there. Go down that river about five miles, and you'll find, knowing that either A, it would get them away from them, or B, they would probably die in the quest to go get this this gold. So um, uh, these stories of gold were perpetuated by the Indians as a uh, self-survival technique. Um, so walk us through, Squant- what is his role with the Puritans and how the pilgrims, excuse me, how the pilgrims come up with this concept that they needed to give thanks for God? What, what dilemma had, because uh, people, I think a lot of people don't fully understand when they got here, it was a lot harsher than anybody expected. In fact, when I've read all the, the histories and stories of the of the pilgrims and the first settlers in Jamestown, but particularly up north where the environment was even harsher, I can't imagine that anybody made it through. It's yeah. just given the hostility of the land, the hostility. You know, this was terrific New England soil, which is always rocky and <laughs> stony. It was, you know, you're not out in Kansas or you're not out in Nebraska somewhere. Walk me through that. How, how, how did people even survive, and what was Squanto's role, and then the, the giving thanks, this whole concept of Thanksgiving? It's important for everybody to understand that both Jamestown colonists and the Plymouth colonists came over with a socialist economic structure at first. They had common land called the commons. They had common grain barrels. Uh, you didn't have entrepreneurship. You didn't have people uh, with, this is my property, this is your property. Um, and as a result, they starved. 
Uh, I did a four-minute video on this for Prager University called America's Socialist Origins. It's had over a million views. But basically, they come over. The first winter in, in uh, Jamestown was bad. The second one was called the Starving Time. So you know anything that's characterized by historians as the Starving Time isn't going to be pleasant. Uh, the diaries show that they were eating uh, rats and dung and shoelaces and, you know, my wife and I love these cooking shows where they have a market basket of goods and they say, now open your market basket of goods. And, oh, we have a rat. We have dung. We have shoelaces. <laughs> and, oh, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a nice rat puree with a, a little dung topping, you know. Um, so it was very bad. They lost over half their number. And there's this, uh, if you want to talk about the miracle at Jamestown, the miracle was after a while, they said, that's it. We've had it. We're getting on the boat and going home. And literally, the whole colony was on a ship headed back to England up the James River, and they meet at the mouth of the James River, a resupply ship with about 100 more colonists on it. Think of the incredible coincidence um, or God's hand in things, if you want to take the religious tone, to have that other ship come all the way across the ocean and arrive just as these guys were leaving. Uh, another two hours uh, later for that ship to arrive, and they would have found no colony, and they themselves would have turned around and gone back home. Well, the people in Plymouth experienced oh, the same hang thing. On, hang on, hang on, hang on. I want to take the—we got about a minute and a half. I want to hit the rewind of that story because I don't think people appreciate it. They had voted. They had moved all their stuff back onto the vessel— and and this is after what a year and a half or two years there, and, yeah. and we're leaving Jamestown, which had been a huge collapse of the entire experiment. And they meet going back to the to the to uh, to uh, Tidewater and to Hampton Roads. They they meet the resupply ship coming they re coming the up the river. Ship. I mean, how incredible is that? Again, two hours, and you wouldn't have even been able to see that other ship. So. Um, a friend of mine, a congressman, Chris Stewart, he just retired here in the last few months. Uh, he wrote a really good book called Seven Miracles That Made America. And this is his, the first of his miracles. Hang on for one second. We're going to take a uh, short commercial break. Larry Swikert of the Patriots History of the United States. If you're, you haven't gotten this and given it to a teenager... Or to a young adult, or maybe even yourself, you haven't experienced a complete understanding of American history. The Patriots' history of the United States, Larry Swiker on the other side. I know this is hard to believe, but we're up against another government shutdown later this month. And our wise leaders deal with it how they always do, with more spending. While lawmakers are high-fiving, your savings account continues to lose value. Because more spending weakens the dollar. Now end the cycle. Diversify into gold with the help of Birch Gold Group. And listen, when you open a gold IRA for every $10,000 you spend by December 22nd, Birch Gold will send you a free gold bar. Let me repeat that. For every $10,000 you spend by December 22nd, Birch Gold will send you a free gold bar. Just text Bannon to 989898 to claim eligibility before Black Friday. Birch Gold can help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a gold IRA for no money out of pocket. 
and you still get the free gold bar. Don't let your savings become a victim of the further devaluation of the dollar. Remember, the BRICS countries are focused 100% on de-dollarization. Text Bannon to 989898. Receive a free gold information kit and claim your eligibility before Black Friday to receive free gold bars on your qualified purchase. Do it today. Action, action, action. Welcome back. Thanksgiving Day. Our special, Larry Swiker joins us. Is the fact that there was a come to the time closer total collapse, and let's be honest, a, essentially a surrender by the Virginia company because it was entrepreneurs getting on the boat and, 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 and leaving and seeing the supply ship by a miracle of God uh, and then turning around and reestablishing was that because this was principally, and obviously there were many devout Christians in the group, but this was principally started as an entrepreneurial activity, the Virginia company, uh, with, you know, with stockholders and uh, appointment of the crown, and the crown was going to get their 20% off the top. Did that lead to the collapse, uh, you know, before they really learned the virtues of, of capitalism and, and individual effort? Uh, that you did not see, even given all the harshness in Massachusetts, you didn't see because that was a religious colony? I think there's a lot to that, you know, in, in um, both colonies within two years um, gave up on socialism. They said, that's it. We're, here's your land. Here's your land. Here's your grain. Here's your grain. You're on your own. Uh, John Smith said, he who will not work will not eat. So that also introduced a, a more uh, uh, acute level of immediacy, that it's on you now. You can't rely on somebody else to get your food. But you had uh, averred to the fact that um, so many of those people in Jamestown were gold seekers and gold hunters. And uh, John Smith said, would that I had a dozen carpenters or bricklayers or people who knew how to work with their hands as opposed to a thousand of these people. These people are useless because they're out looking for gold and they're not doing anything to keep the colony alive. So you do have that concept in New England that, that this is something set by God and we're going to stay at it until we su succeed. Um, but I think it was important for your, your viewers to understand that both colonies start off with this socialist mindset both abandon it. And in uh, Plymouth, what kind of accelerates this abandonment is the introduction of this Indian named Squanto, uh, who's really a, a, almost as miraculous as the one ship meeting the other at the mouth of the James River is finding Squanto because he helps the uh, Plymouth colony with finding new types of seeds uh, introduces them to maize, among other things. And this guy is, uh, he, he mediates a defense treaty uh, with the Wampanoags, uh, who at that time, and we had talked about all these uh, intricacies of the defense treaties of the Indians, the Wampanoags had been uh, beset with disease, and they desperately needed allies. And here are these white guys, well, we'll make them our allies. Um, so Squanto was an Indian who was kidnapped earlier, around 1614, by a guy named Thomas Hunt. Hunt takes Squanto to Spain, 
as a slave and is planning on selling him and apparently a group of monks, for whatever reason, buy him, teach him English and Spanish, give him his freedom. From that point, we don't know exactly how, but he ends up in England. And while in England, he apparently meets Pocahontas. I mean, these things are just mind-boggling, the coincidences here, uh, if you ascribe them to coincidence. So he ends up on a ship back to North America in 1619, where he wants to reunite with his Patuxent tribesmen, only to find the Patuxents are gone. Uh, they've been wiped out. And so he settles with the Wampanoags, who want to have a treaty with these English, and he's the one who ends up negotiating these various uh, treaties. So, so, so hang, hang, hang on a second. Hold on. Slow, slow down for a second. Because I think most people, if they know the story at all, they think Squanto kind of walks out of the forest one day and sees these hapless whites and, and, <laughs> and says, oh, well, you know, some, and, well, I, somehow I got to show them better seeds. The, the story is there'd already been whites there as traders, right? The, sure. the, the, the pilgrims were not the first, obviously Leif Erikson, the Vikings, but other individual traders, just like in Jamestown, they had had what the Roanoke colony and, and people had tried to get there before they hadn't survived. Squanto has already gone to Europe. <laughs> He's, he actually speaks English. In fact, he doesn't, he speaks okay English, right? I mean, enough to communicate yeah. with the, with the pilgrims. Think about it. You're a pilgrim. You get off the boat down there in the hook where the sand is. You finally make it up to Plymouth where they're kind of thing. And you're not really making it. And one of the reasons you're not making it, they're not the greatest farmers. I realize it's socialism or anything like that, but these guys are not exactly, no. you know, the McCormick Reaper guys, right? They're, they're <laughs> barely hanging on. Quite frankly, because they have been from England and Holland, these are religious people. They're not, they're not entrepreneurs and they're not farmers, and, and they're making a go of it. And a guy walks out of the woods in the middle of nowhere, and this is the middle of nowhere, and he speaks English and can actually communicate with you somehow, some rudimentary thing. And he's he's he actually understands farming on this rocky, you know, unforgiving plain. If that's not divine providence, if that's not an interventionist God, I don't know. If we got two. You got one is the guys are leaving. They've surrendered. They've been eating rats and shoelaces. I'm out of here. I didn't see gold. I didn't see a fountain of youth. I don't see any Inca silver. I'm done. And the way out, they got the supply ship coming out, which probably means also, hey, you've seen the supply ship. If you guys go back, you'll be in prison for losing our money. You'll be in debtor's prison for losing our money. <laughs> At the north, they got a guy that walks out of the woods that actually speaks. I mean, it's so it's such an incredible story. A guy walks out of the woods and he actually speaks English. And he, he understands farming. And oh, by the way, he can help you form an alliance with exactly the group of Indians or Native Americans that need you as an ally. They don't care if you're white or not. You look like you guys can fight and you got a couple of muskets. I've got some enemies here that are trying to take my territory. Let's roll on them. That is that an yeah, inter is that it, is that shows you that Lincoln was Lincoln was right that there is an interventionist God. Well, and, and think of it from the Wampanoag's point of view. They're almost wiped out. They've got this guy who speaks the language of these, these white people, but we haven't seen very many of them. Hey, wait, a whole bunch of these white people just showed up. They've got some guns. Maybe there's hope for us after all. Maybe we can get a treaty with these guys. And so after uh, a planting season and a harvest season, 
these uh, pilgrims have an abundance for the first time. It's, it's not huge abundance. They've got more than, more than enough. And so they throw a Thanksgiving feast to give thanks to God, and they invite 90 of these Wampanoag uh, men to come and, and join them in, in this feast to, to give thanks. It's just, uh, it, it's so unbelievable at every level that, that you can only, unless you're one of the, those nuns that we talked about, you can only think this was God's plan all along. Well, if you talk to me about, because we used to always have this fight when I was a child. Oh, Jamestown had the first Thanksgiving, not Massachusetts. When, when did James, if the pilgrims were in the first couple of years after they almost starved to death, did Jamestown ever actually officially have something where they actually sat down at the table? Indians or not, indigenous people or not, but gave thanks to God for making it? The way we differentiate this is that at Plymouth, you had the first governor issuing a Thanksgiving proclamation. There were many Thanksgiving ceremonies before Plymouth, but it was at Plymouth that you get an, an official stamp of approval on the Thanksgiving proclamation. Is that sort of the way to, to understand that? Also, I might add, uh, before we go to break here, is that uh, the pilgrims obviously were a very devout uh, religious community. In fact, uh, the, 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 they were so devout, they were kicked out of a couple of countries for being obnoxiously devout. It didn't stop them from being able to defend themselves. I think Squanto picked that up right away when he was able to pitch it to his indigenous tribe brothers that, hey— it was praise God and pass the ammunition. These whites, these, when their backs are to the wall, they can fight. And we need some fighters on our side. We need to partner with some of these fighters. So um, t talk to me about it, it and going forward. After that first, walk me through the Plymouth Colony. How did it actually survive? The first couple of years, obviously, socialism, they shifted it. They had the abundance. They had the Thanksgiving. Did God's abundance continue to, to, to prosper with them? What, what happened to the pilgrims? Well, the pilgrims in 1630 uh, had the first uh, greenery, green mill, um, introducing really capitalism and division of labor into the colonies at a very early date. Um, they, they were successful in, in terms they survived. It, it was really, though, the Massachusetts Bay Puritans that came over with John Winthrop that, that really took root and, and grew. They were much more of the um, traditional Calvinists that believe that God blessed you through prosperity, and prosperity was a sign that God was blessing you, hence a sign that you were saved. And so everybody tried to be prosperous. They, they, this is where you get the notion of the Protestant work ethic. One of the reasons for that work was you wanted to show that God was blessing you, hence uh, you were saved. And it's interesting that uh, th this new work on the Indians um, argues that it was really the Massachusetts Bay people who kind of cause all the trouble because they expand, their numbers keep growing. And that was the point that the Indians first see whites as someone other than just another tribe. They first say, no, no these guys yeah. could be dangerous yeah. because they keep getting resupplied and they keep getting more colonists. Yeah. Uh, Larry, hang on for one second. This is all fascinating. We're going to continue on talking about the uh, the tradition of Thanksgiving. And it's interesting. Our default position is always to thank God, to to make sure that we give praise and thanks to God. 
uh, in times of national tribulation, but also thanks uh, for God's abundance and everything he's given this, the greatest, most powerful nation uh, on earth that's created more wealth, shared it with more people, freed more people than any nation on earth with all her flaws here on a Thanksgiving Day in 2023. We'll return with the co-author of The Patriot's History of the United States, Larry Swiker, in a moment. This year when I count my blessings I'm thanking the Lord he made you Okay, Environ Cleanse never does this. They just announced a massive Black Friday discount. Let me tell you why this is important. EnviroCleanse is predicting another triple-demic this year, and the best way to fight a cold or flu is not to get it. That's why I got EnviroCleanse for the war room, the new science in home air purification. The reason is that they are uh, approved by the Pentagon. They're approved by the Department of Defense for Navy combatants. When I was a young ensign, in an auxiliary engineer, the uh, air purification came under my auspices, and I can tell you that this is the product that you want because it qualifies to be used on a Navy combatant. EnviroCleanse, the military-grade technology, wipes out bacteria, toxins, and mold that can make you sick. That's why the Navy chose it, to protect the air on board our Navy ships. Get EnviroCleanse for your home. It's available now for your home with that technology. And do it before a virus takes your whole family down. Right now, you can save 35% during their Black Friday sale. Plus, get fast, free shipping. Visit ekpure.com. That's E-K for EnviroCleanse. ekpure.com and use promo code STEVE35 for 35% off. That's ekpure.com, code Steve35 for the 35% discount. They've never done this before, so take advantage of it. ekpure.com, action, action, action. Hey, welcome back on Thanksgiving, that Thanksgiving Day special. I want to thank uh, Real America's Voice. Robin Parker Sig, the entire team in Denver for always helping us put together these specials. Um, our uh, Black Friday special will be tomorrow. We always do the day after uh, Thanksgiving. Of course, this weekend uh, will be up also. So a lot of stuff going on over the next couple of days. Make sure you're uh, always checking in with War Room uh, to get all your latest news and uh, information. Uh, Larry Swikert. There's a book out, Kevin Phillips, I don't know if you're familiar with, it's a fairly obscure, but I, I think a very powerful book. He makes the argument, you can look at American history, he calls it the Cousins War. Mm-hmm. And he goes back to England in the time of their Civil War, Cromwell's New Model Army and the Puritans, and mm-hmm. that kind of religious split from the from the Church of England or the, the Anglican Church at the time, which was really, as you say, the Catholic Church with the Archbishop of Canterbury, kind of a nationalist church from the globalist Catholic church. Uh, and he says, if you look at the Puritans and their belief, and they came to the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, you look at the, the freebooters down in Jamestown, that's the two uh, aspects that, that really drive uh, the founding of America and the growth of America is this, this deep religious conviction among some people and this kind of entrepreneurial spirit freebooter uh, with the other. And he goes through and makes the talks about the different parts of England, I think is West Anglica or some different sections of England 
where Cromwell's Puritans came from versus the Cavaliers of, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I think, Prince uh, King, King, uh, King Charles. Um, the, um, he then says you can see that through the Civil War, that the, the Puritans and the, and the New Englanders, uh, first off in the Revolution and then later in the, in the Civil War, where the abolitionists and, and kind of these uh, radicals, at least at the time, that had this concept of, of man that included um, uh, African-Americans and something totally different than the entrepreneurs that looked at everything as through the lens of money. And you can see the Civil War all the way up to the, the current time that he died a, a few years ago. But it's a very powerful book in looking at these, the, the basic strains of thought in America. One, you have deep, very deep religious conviction in that this is the new Jerusalem. And that this land is a is is a, is a pure land and has to be built upon these tenets of not simply Christianity, but a, a very uh, stoic, austere version of Christianity in which you're giving thanks every day by not succumbing to the to the um, to the to the ways of the flesh. And the other is essentially the freebooters, which is. You know, I'm not saying eat, drink and be merry, but hey, everything is about material gain. Everything. I'm always looking for the uh, for uh, the silver of the Incas, uh, the gold of El Dorado or the fountain of youth. Uh, and that those two strains make up this the continual power of America, but also the tensions inside mm-hmm. the civilization that is now America. Your, your thoughts. Well, it's interesting that you bring up Cromwell because I credit Cromwell with the origins of religious toleration, which is going to sound crazy to people who know that Cromwell Hold on, stop, was stop. I can't. Now, you've already got me to hang on. Hang, you've already got me one that Anglicans are not Protestants. I know our Episcopalian <laughs> brothers are brace that. As an Irishman, and I don't bring up my Irish heritage much as to tell us I'm just from a family, extended family of dumb mix, of which I'm the dumbest. The But when you tell an Irish Catholic that Cromwell is the model of religious tolerance. You're going to have to you're going to have to give me some footnotes. Uh, the <laughs> Irish would want to check the receipts on that one. OK, I don't say he's the model. What I do is I say he sets in motion religious toleration. I don't think he wants to do this, but he has to. He creates this new model army. And of course, they are all uh, Calvinist Protestants. And one of the tenets of Calvinist Christianity was every man should read the Bible for himself. So probably everybody in the field doesn't have their own Bible, but you can guarantee that every company at night has their own Bible. And you know they don't have iPhones or Nintendo or anything. So what are they going to do? They're going to read the Bible every night. And before too long, company A is coming to different biblical interpretations than company B and company C. Well, you can't go kill Company B because they have a different view of uh, the Sermon on the Mount than you do. You need them in the morning to go kill (laughs) Anglicans. So gradually you start to get this early version of religious toleration where you're wrong. uh, You're probably damn doomed and going to hell, but we need to work together because we have a bigger fish to fry here. And it takes a long time for this to come through. Certainly in America, it, it doesn't come through till uh, the 20th century. And we, we're out celebrating that John Kennedy is the first Catholic elected to the presidency as kind of a benchmark that, well, some form of a religious intolerance is gone. But you can trace all that back to the fact that these 
uh, Cromwellian new model army companies had to overlook differences of theology in order to kill people with other differences in theology. Now, this is very powerful, and I wanted to, um, I wanted to um, get into the new model army for a second. I think it's a, uh, a lot of people don't know about it. Describe Cromwell's new model army, because I'll be blunt, in thinking through the war room posse and, and, and these people that are now engaged, I often am drawn back to the new model army. The new model army was a revolutionary vanguard force made up of just regular schmoes who had, and many of those, Cromwell, I think was in his 50s. Cromwell was so out of it, he was about to get on the boat to the United States when all of a sudden he got swept up in the English Civil War. And the English Civil War is, is I think, under, not understood nearly as well as the American Civil War. And fi- quite frankly, in England, I think that was there for the 500th anniversary of Cromwell's birth, and there was like no celebrations. They don't really want to talk about it in England because it ended in regicide. It's just something they just don't discuss. I mean, some scholars do, et cetera, but it's not like the American Civil War. We have so many civilians and so many people throughout the country go to Gettysburg, go to Antietam, go to the different battlefields and, 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 and kids and get interested in it. There's TV shows. There's, there's very little ever said about the English Civil War. Cromwell is a fascinating figure, and particularly the New Model Army. I often think that the War Room Posse is a, almost a version a latter-day version of the New Model Army. New Model Army was so inspired by the Word of God that it took average, quite frankly, Grundoons and turned them into one of the most powerful forces ever created in history. Sir? Well, it's this idea of a mega, of a grassroots that doesn't have a, an affinity to either political party. Uh, English Civil War was very much a civil war, not only of two opposing ideologies, two opposing religions, but of of a class structure of of your, as you say, your ordinary schmoes out there who are infused by the Word of God. Uh, like I say, they read the Bible every night. Uh, they they believe it. And, and they believed that their opponents at that time were, in fact, evil and needed to be defeated. Now, it's interesting. We, we end up here on Thanksgiving with this discussion. But uh, I hear many people within our movement who say, well, we need a new Cromwell. Uh, we need a, a reset, which is what he was. He didn't end the monarchy. What Cromwell did was provided a brief window, however brutal and however much people wanted to forget it, but he gave them an opportunity for uh, the parliament to say, we need to reset this with a monarchy that comes uh, really from the people, not just from blood. And so that key event, of course, is in the Glorious Revolution. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. Well, in the Glorious Revolution, where all time, throughout all time previously, uh, the religious head, whether it was a bishop or the pope or archbishop, had put the crown on the heads of the the monarch. And now all of a sudden, who puts the crown on the heads of the monarch? It's the head of parliament, a representative of the people. So um, it's very interesting to hear our modern people say, well, we need a new Cromwell-type figure, a dictator who can come in and give us a, a reset, which I certainly don't support, but I understand their feeling. Is that not also the underlying tensions 
the English Civil War and, and particularly the two strains here. And you see in the two Thanksgivings at the beginning yep. uh, the, 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 in Massachusetts with the pilgrims and the and the freebooter entrepreneurs, cavaliers in Jamestown, that um, tension also and not just in class structure, but between spiritual warfare and the in the money or entrepreneur class in England. They were outraged. The, the people in the city of London, which is the Wall Street area, but even the the the, the people around the Crown. Remember, they had the the East India Company. You had the these company, the Virginia Company, the Bay Company. These were all, um, you know, for profit organizations. Although obviously the Massachusetts Colony had uh, had a, a deep religious with the Puritans coming over. But it's always this tension between kind of a, a lower class MAGA. Mm-hmm. Deeply imbued with a the word of God and the belief in Jesus Christ, and and the unfolding of our history as a story in the New Jerusalem, versus mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. There's nothing anything's wrong with entrepreneurs, but entrepreneurs, at least in in this construct, are just more worried about the material world and and the benefits of that. Have you do you see that strain throughout our yeah. history? And, and Phillips went on to write the New American Majority, which kind of fleshed that out a lot. And, and you see that very much, uh, even especially within the Republican Party, where you have one side that doesn't want to talk about abortion. They don't want to talk about any of the so-called social issues. Uh, let's just talk about tax cuts and making money, which was, of course, the whole George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush, Mitt Romney kind of, of approach. Let's stay away from the hot button issues. And um, the kind of religious conservatives that say, no, life is about more than just making money. Yeah, we want to make money, but there's some very serious issues here that that need to be dealt with. And we're still fighting that out. You saw uh, Ohio issue one, which was a a big um, struggle over which of these two Republican concepts is going to uh, be the one to kind of lead the country in the future. Uh, Larry, uh, your recommendations for people that want to find out more about this. We, 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 every time we do these specials, whether it's you or Patrick K. O'Donnell, one of the things the live chat's always saying is, how do I, I want to learn more? This is interesting. I didn't know this, or I knew part of it, but I didn't know the whole story. Is the best place still for people to go to go to your, and, and what is this? The, the, you, you're in the 40, uh, the 40th printing, I think I've got one of the anniversary editions. Uh, how, how, how many editions have been printed, and, and where do you stand now with the book? Okay, the Patriots History is now in its 15th anniversary edition. I have just completed and will have out sometime next year free on the web uh, the 20th anniversary edition, which is really some um, uh, revisions throughout the book, not, a, not tons, but a lot of added material, and an updated 2018 to 2023 chapter, which itself is that five years covers as much as the whole first chapter that covers like 100 years. But I thought people would be interested in that. We're in our 41st printing, and I have a full curriculum. If you go to the Wild World of History, uh, we have a full curriculum that goes with this. Uh, 22 chapters, 22 videos. I teach every chapter in video. We also have a full world history class. And we've got some great Black Friday offers of book deals. We've got Dragon Slayers and Patriots History in one of them. Uh, I just finished my autobiography, 
called um, The Rhythm of History. And going back to my rock and roll days, I don't know too many people who opened for Steppenwolf and who met with presidents and who directed films and uh, did all this other stuff. So they might find the rhythm of history of interest. So we've got several Black Friday offers that are just fantastic. Okay, we're going to come back and we'll send everybody there. That's why Larry Swigert has such a well-lived-in body. He's done much in his life. Some of it pretty crazy. Okay, not always been a scholar. Short break, back in a moment. Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day. I wouldn't want to live without it. This is nutrition the way nature intended. I get way more energy. My skin looks better. It helps with my digestion. I just feel better and healthier overall. That's how I knew Field of Greens was working for me. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. And with flu season here, I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy, not some vaccine. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. I got you 15% off your first order and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code Bannon. That's fieldofgreens.com, promo code Bannon. That's promo code Bannon at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Do it today. We've come to the time okay, um, and the season. Welcome back. Larry, uh, before I let you go, you said something that I know our audiences want to go to follow up on, and that is you said you did an edition of uh, from 2016 to the day 2023, and it's like the first 100 years in the, in the first book. Lenin, I think it's Lenin that has that saying, there are decades in which nothing happens, and then there are weeks in which decades happen. Are we living yes. in that time right now, sir? Very much so. I mean, I think... Uh, socially, you look at Jean Twenge, T-W-E-N-G-E, her work on generations. The generations are changing, not just the millennials, but Gen X, Gen Z are, are dramatically changing in their uh, religiosity or lack thereof, their uh, approach to social problems. And, and we're seeing all of society change, and not just politically, but uh, we are on a cusp of we could very clearly lose a functioning democracy because we've seen these courts uh, and the Department of Injustice, as I call it, going after ordinary Americans like like they haven't had done except in wartime before. Um, and really, for the last five years, the Supreme Court and some of the courts have been the only bulwark we've had against these uh, outrageous infringements on, on liberties and uh, the attempt to kind of socialize our entire economy. Um, so w- with the influx of Im- immigrants uh, uh, to just recordly, almost obscene levels, um, you're seeing the cities break down in kind of a reverse cloward pivot where the cities, are the, the blue cities, the Democrat cities are starting to fall apart and they're trying to call upon red or uh, interior America to save them. So we are definitely in in one of those decades. With a, a minute or two, given I've known you for a long time, you are by nature an optimist. As you look at the facts and the evidence as a historian and you project forward, 
where the evidence you think will take us. Are you optimistic about this remaining the new Jerusalem? Um, to be seen, to be remained. That's something you can't handle through politics like you know, Governor DeSantis has been trying to uh, handle some of the wokeism in Florida uh, through politics. Good. I support that. But that's not going to fix it. It's got to come from people standing up, parents standing up, saying we, we're not going to tolerate this in, in our schools. We're not going to tolerate in our communities. Um, and so uh, we're, we're very much a tipping point. Uh, I think politically, I'm very optimistic. I, I think that we'll have a much better government uh, at the end of uh, 2024 than we have now. But uh, socially, religiously, it remains to be seen. Uh, Larry Swika, thank you so much for doing this. I think for the third year, our Thanksgiving Day special, always appreciating your amazing insights into American history. Thank you very much, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. Um, we'll be back. We're going to do a reprise of this later this afternoon, as we always do. We'll be back tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, for our Black Friday, the special we always do on Black Friday, and of course on Saturday with another special over this very, very uh, special uh, weekend. I want to thank everybody, and particularly our sponsors, the reason we're able to be ubiquitous and free, whether it's on the podcast or with the emails, all of that's free. The podcast is free. You can download it, give us a review. The email, sign up for the email. Go to warroom.org. Go to our website. You get all the exclusive content, particularly if you listen to the show and our ever-expanding, vast radio audience. You're going to want to see the videos. You're going to want to see the cold opens. You're going to want to see everything up there, the TV audiences. That's all free, plus more insights on the um, by the, using the email. Um, we got uh, Bill Blaster, which is the totally free app that gives you operating leverage when you're dealing with all these massive fights that we have uh, currently uh, with trying to bring some sanity into the spending of the federal government. Today is a day of, uh, of thanks, and we want to thank our, our uh, sponsors to make this all possible, from Birch Gold uh, to MyPillow. Go to MyPillow.com over the uh, – we'll have more to say about this tomorrow. MyPillow.com, make sure you go check it out over the holiday weekend. And also, obviously, we give thanks to God – that we are um, so blessed to be citizens of this country, but also blessed to be in this time in history. You are um, very much like the New Model Army, imbued by the power of the living Christ to defend this republic. And uh, it's been quite successful so far. As importantly, you've put the fear of that God into your enemies. And remember, on this Thanksgiving, also say... Uh, a prayer of uh, to make sure that God remembers our enemies as legion as they are. Okay. Uh, I've also said in Thanksgiving, don't back off today at the at the festivities when some of your cousins or nephews or some of your close ones that have traditionally given you stink eye about being MAGA, stink eye about being ultra MAGA, stink eye about President Trump. You want to have a peaceful celebration, a peaceful commemoration, but get up in their grill. You're on the site of uh, righteousness. You're on the site of, uh, I don't want to say an avenging God. Let's leave that. Let's leave the Puritan pitch for another time. can't believe Larry Swiker tried to sell an Irishman on Cromwell and religious tolerance. I'm going to have to really think that one through. Anyway, honored to be on here. Have a great rest of Thanksgiving Day. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. sweet eyes, the sight of a high-balling train.
the moon rise over a prairie and old love that you've made new and this year when i count my blessings i'm thanking the lord he made you and this year when i count my blessings i'm thanking the lord he made you time comes to be going it won't be in sorrow and tears i'll kiss you goodbye and i'll go on the way grateful for all of the years i thank for all that you gave me for teaching me what love can do and thanksgiving day for the rest of my life i'm thanking the lord he made you thanksgiving day for the rest of my life i'm thanking the lord he made you Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out. 